following him, being obedient in baptism. And what we see here, God, is a picture of what you've done in their life. That they are buried in Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. So God, be glorified. May their lives continue to be a testimony for you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Step right up here for me. All right, so this is Miss Lily. Lily, how old are you? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. That is how old I was when I got baptized. And I just learned a cool little fact from CJ about two minutes ago that your grandpa and your mom were actually baptized on the same day. Uh, so that's pretty cool that now they get to do that as well. And so a couple months ago, uh, Lily and CJ came up to me and said, hey, we want to be baptized. And the first thing I want to do is I want to talk to them individually, but then I always ask, why do you want to be baptized? Uh, what's your reason? And their reason was not because it looks fun or cool or because so-and-so did it, but because they had given their life to Jesus Christ and they want to follow him in believer's baptism. So, Ms. Lily, if we'll step back here. Actually, Lily has some family here. You guys are going to get to stand up twice. Will Lily's family stand? Where's, if, there we go, right there, right there. Awesome. Awesome. You all can be seated, and mom and grandpa are back here with us, so if you'll put your hands up there for me. Lily, do you confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Now, based upon that profession of faith, I love the enthusiasm. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. All right, brother, you ready? Right. All right, little brother. CJ, how old are you? Ten. Ten. Awesome. Now, I know, and most people here probably know, but we call you CJ, but what's your first name? Christian. Christian. Right, that's your given name. That's the name that they gave you. But now your identity is also a Christian. Right? You are a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I asked him the same question. Hey, why do you want to be baptized? And he gave me the same answer because he is given his life to Jesus Christ and wants to follow him in baptism. You too have the same family here, but I'm going to ask them to stand again. <laughs> this is what happens when we get to baptize you twice. I wanted them to get to clap for them as well. Thank you, you guys can be seated. All right, CJ, if you'll come back here. All right, hands up for me. All right, CJ, do you confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. All right. Then based upon that profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Awesome. Awesome, CJ. Awesome. All right, let's pray. Father God, we, again, give you all the praise and the glory. Lord, this is just the beginning uh, of the life for these two. And Father, my prayers, now that they've given their life to you, that we will disciple them that we will help their family, Lord, to just to come alongside them and to point them to Jesus. And Lord, I believe that you've got great things in store for them. So use them, Father, for your glory and your honor, we pray. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. If you'll stand with us, let's sing about our joy. Amen. 
Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. It's an exciting day, not only because we had two baptisms, but also because we have uh, some special music this morning with our sunshine singers. So if you all want to come get in place while I welcome, and after the welcome, they're going to they're gonna sing for us. So good morning. I know we have some guests with us this morning, so we want to welcome you. Thank you for worshiping with us uh, here at Northside Inside. The bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. Uh, you can, after you fill it out at the end of the service, there's a place right out in the foyer if you could please drop that in there. And don't you just love seeing our kids sing? What a great looking group. That's you too, buddy. I'm talking about you too, Malachi. You guys are going to sing and shake. Yeah, yeah.
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby Keeping watch over their flocks at night An angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone around them And they were terrified, but the angel said to them Do not be afraid, I bring you good news I'm 
Way to go, everybody. That was awesome. That was awesome. So Malachi's teacher told him the other day when they had their program at school, Malachi said, I don't like standing in front of people. So she said, well, then just close your eyes. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's taking her advice because he just now stands and closes his eyes in front of people. So maybe I should try that. Just close my eyes. <laughs> See how that works. Uh, if you notice in the bulletin, you'll see that we continue to uh, take in our offering for Lighting Moon Christmas Offering. Our goal is $7,000. We have given to date 3637 So let me encourage you, if you have not given yet, you can give today or you can give next Sunday as well. The envelopes are out there in the foyer. Please give. Give sacrificially uh, and let's meet that goal of $7,000. Our video this morning focuses on how some of our missionaries in other countries are using the gospel and they're filling the airwaves as a way to try to spread that gospel. So check this out. The most effective form of evangelism, obviously, is one-on-one. That direct person who knows you, who sees your walk uh, and says, okay, God is real to this person. Why isn't he real to me? And they begin seeking. But how do you get to that one-on-one relationship with a person? Particularly when there's 4 million people here, there's only about 7,000 evangelicals in the whole country. How do you find that person who is seeking? How do you find that person's open? And so you need a big net. And then basically that, the the radio is one of our big nets um, for evangelism. It has a reach uh, for the majority of Zagreb, which is a city of a million people. And during our two 15-minute time slots, there's about 40,000 people listening, uh, which blew our minds. Now, obviously, that's the main purpose, is broad seed sowing. About a year into the broadcasting, a, a guy started visiting, and he just mentioned casually, yeah, I've been listening to the radio for about a year before I decided to come to the Sunday evening service. He said, listen, um, I have an old property that I'm not using. Uh, why don't you guys come over during the week and have a Bible study? So now that has become the second church plant. The Southern Baptists have had a huge role in what, uh, what has been an amazing uh, spiritual change. And to keep that going, uh, that we would see that this new lost continent uh, would be found through the Lottie Moon offering. There's an impact I know, but then I think there's an enormous impact that, that I'll never know until, until we're in heaven and, and see. I believe that what we're seeing now is the first fruits. The, the one thing that keeps me here is this, this idea that I'm gonna miss out on the most amazing thing that could possibly happen. And then to be able to watch what God does and to begin to see the faces of the people coming in and their stories of how their lives have changed and how they've been brought out of of such of a mess and into life. That's what I hope for and pray for. Uh, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever, you know, uh, an entire life uh, would be worth it.
As Pastor Aaron mentioned, uh, we've been you've given uh, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We appreciate that. There's now 12 bows on the on the tree, so we're working toward our goal of, of 25. So we're almost halfway there. Um, I think that reminds me of a song. But anyway, uh, today as we look at our Advent wreath, uh, today is the candle of of love, hope, peace, and joy. These are all ours in Christ. And we've sung the song of the angels and proclaimed their message that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But have you ever thought why? Why is a Savior born? Why did the Word become flesh and dwell among us? Why did Jesus not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but rather emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being made into the likeness of men? I mean, we've, we've all seen the, the headlines. And what would compel God to enter this broken, angry, selfish, adulterous, unrighteous, sinful world? And... By the way, it's not just 2020. The world that Jesus entered 2,000 years ago, it was every bit as sinful. There's nothing new under the sun. More than this, we know that this baby's life on earth will be relatively short. About 30 years after he's placed in a manger, he'll be hung on a cursed tree. Why would God send his only begotten son into this world to live for just a short while and then suffer and die a horrific death? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, love began it all. In the love of God, there is hope and peace and joy. So we sing, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. So I ask you, do you know love this Christmas? Do you know the love of God today? Have you experienced second birth? Can you see beyond the manger to the cross, to the empty tomb, to the second advent of the coming of Christ? And as we light the candle of love, I pray you do know the love of God today. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, thank you for sending your only son. I don't know if you had to, but you did. And it's all because you love us. Lord, the more deeply I try to understand that, the more I'm confounded by it because I know how sinful I am. And yet you sent your son to live life here, to be led to the cross, to die, and to be resurrected for people like me, God, thank you for your love. May I be compelled to go into the world just as Christ came into the world 
and to tell people the love that comes through Jesus Christ. I pray these things in his redeeming name. Amen. awesome moment it was 2,000 years ago when God sent his son to earth, born of a virgin in the tiny town of Bethlehem. The world has never been the same ever since he came. Against all the efforts of kings and rulers down through the ages, the name of Jesus Christ has endured and triumphed. The humble servant who never traveled outside the land of his birth has impacted the world in a far greater way than anyone who ever lived. Think of the millions of lives that have been transformed forever through, the, through faith in Jesus Christ, the name which angels eternally praise amid all the glory of heaven. Let us join with them and worship this Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God and Savior of the world.
Praise the Lord. He's why we're here. Let's stand again as we continue. standing. Turn to the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. I'm just going to read two verses this morning, but we will look at the entire text as well. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. So what the word of the Lord says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea and the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You may be seated. This morning, from the baptism to our kids doing a phenomenal job singing to our praise team, to singing of our hymns, and the beautiful job the choir just did. It has all been to point us to the name that is above every name. Man, while the choir was singing, I just got goosebumps. For a moment, it was as if we were there 2,000 plus years ago and were able just to get a glimpse of the angels singing proclaiming the birth of Jesus. He is Jesus. We saw this a couple weeks ago, right? He is the one who would come and save us from our sins. He is Emmanuel, we saw last week. He is God with us. And in Revelation 19.16, we read these words, On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. As the choir just sang, bow and worship him. I want to ask you one question this morning, and that is simply this. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus, the Savior of sinners, God with us, the creator of all things, the ruler of all creation, our great high priest, 
the resurrection and the life. The righteous judge, the everlasting Father, Christ the King. Do you know Him? C.H. Spurgeon, we see here in Luke 2, says, Now after Jesus was born. C.H. Spurgeon, based upon that phrase, after Jesus was born, writes these words, A stir begins as soon as Christ is born. He has not spoken a word. He has not worked a miracle. He has not proclaimed a single doctrine. But when Jesus was born at the very first, while as yet you hear nothing but infant cries and can see nothing but infant weakness, still His influence upon the world is manifest. He is King. What I want to do this morning is I want to draw your attention to three things that we notice here that kind of help us to see three indicators, if you will, that this Jesus, this child is king. And then after we do that, I want us to look for a couple minutes at three different responses that we see in our text. So the first thing I want to draw your attention to is this, that this Jesus is born in Bethlehem of Judea. And this is significant. Bethlehem was a small town, right, five or six miles south of Jerusalem. And verses one and two, Matthew lets us know where Jesus is born. He tells us that there's this King Herod, that these wise men from the east come and travel. They want to know where he who has been born King of the Jews, or where he is, or where can we find him? This causes Herod to begin to freak out a little bit. So Herod calls in, right, the religious people, those who would have known, and, and they immediately, in hearing this, know where to go. They go to the Old Testament. They go to the book of Micah, the prophet Micah. In, the, in our Bibles, it's chapter 5, verse 2. And, and what they let us know, we see it here in verse 6, quoting from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. We see right off the bat that the Messiah, the Christ, is to come from Bethlehem. And so Matthew is quick to point out, where is Jesus born? Bethlehem. It's also interesting that Bethlehem, if you go to Luke chapter 2 verse 4, is also known, it says here, as the city of David. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. This is what Matthew writes. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of who? David. The son of David. He is very clear here, Matthew, in what he is doing. We see one other thing I want you to notice about this Bethlehem. Chapter 2, verse 1 says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Chapter 1, verse 2 says Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah. Matthew is letting us know that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy. Matthew is also letting us know that Jesus is from the line of David, the kingly line. He is also from the line of Judah, right? He is a descendant of the line of Judah. Now, why does this matter? Because Matthew is letting us know the kingly line of Jesus. So that when you come to chapter 2, verse 2, and it says, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? You're already ready for that because you now know the line from which Jesus has come. He has come from the kingly 
line. Notice one other thing. Verse 4. Notice what Herod does here. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. It's interesting. The wise men, to our knowledge, don't say anything about the Christ. Herod puts two and two together. The king of the Jews is the Christ. And these wise men have come to worship him. He is king. Let me also draw your attention to something else, and that is the wise men and the star. The wise men. We are not told the number. There may have been three. There may have been 30. Your little manger has three of them. I don't know if there really was three. We are not told their names. We are not told the means of transportation. We are not told the specific country from which they came. We don't know much about these guys, but we know they come. We don't know much about the star. We aren't told about how this star appeared or how it led them to Bethlehem or how the wise men even knew to follow the star. Matthew doesn't tell us that. We also don't know how the wise men came to know that Jesus was the king of the Jews. Did God reveal this to them in a dream? Did they just know it from their studies? Right? We don't know that. There's much we don't know, but here's what we do know. The Magi came to Jesus and they came to worship him. And that is significant. And even in the wise men in the star, we see Old Testament scripture being fulfilled. So there's two places I want you to go. I want you to go to Numbers 24. I'm going to go through this quickly, but I just want to draw your attention to this. Numbers 24. In Numbers, we are introduced to this king of Moab by the name of, of Balak. And Balak calls a man by the name of Balaam, and he calls him to come and curse the nation of Israel. Well, God tells Balaam, listen, you are not to curse Israel, rather you are to bless them. And so Balaam begins to bless them. And one of his blessings, this third oracle appears in Numbers 24. Look at verse 16 and 17. The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. Now look at this. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A what? A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. That which God has foretold is now coming to pass in the birth of Jesus Christ. Right There is this star that leads the wise men to Jesus. I love what John Piper says about the star. He says, God wields the universe to make his son known and worshipped. God uses his very creation to bring these wise men to the place where they meet baby Jesus and worship him. Go to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. And look at the language. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Jesus is the light of the world. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Verse 2, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Nations, Isaiah says, shall come to your light. Where are the wise men from? They're from the east. Somewhere. 
They are not from Israel. They are not Jews. They would be Gentiles. And here, 2,000 plus years ago, at the birth of Jesus Christ, right, sometime after he was born, the nations come to baby Jesus. The nations, not Jews, but the Gentiles. And I think in this picture, God is showing us that Jesus came not just for the Jews, but he came for the nations. He came for Gentiles like you and me. And then we continue down to verse 6. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, those from Sheba, shall come, and they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. So we see the wise men in the star indicators here that Jesus is the Christ. And why do the wise men come? Look at verse, further down, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Church, just picture this for a moment. These wise men, these magi have traveled a long way. And they find the star leads them to this, this young baby, Jesus. And when they walk in, they bow down and worship him. How many babies have you seen that brought you to the place where you bowed down and worshiped them? Probably none. Oh, you'll hold them, you'll smile, maybe you may cry. But these grown men walk in to this place where Mary and Joseph and Jesus are and they fall on their faces. They begin to bow down. Listen, you bow down only when you are in the presence of someone superior to you. And it was custom that when you went into the presence of someone superior to you, you brought gifts. And so they bring gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Throughout the ages, people have contemplated and speculated what these gifts meant. Origin talked about it. Others have talked about it. John MacArthur in his commentary talks about it. And I like their thinking whether or not this is correct or not. I, I can't definitively say. But they talk about the gold. And how gold in that day would have emphasized Jesus' royalty. Jesus is king. And understand that this king's reign is not limited to Israel. He's just not Israel's king, but he is the king of kings. 1 Timothy 1.17, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Timothy 6.15 says, Jesus Christ, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 19.16 says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Church, Jesus Christ reigns as king. Amen. He is king. King over his people. King over the church. He is the head of the church. And he reigns this morning in the hearts of all of us who have declared him to be the Christ, the Son of God, Lord and Savior of our life. And they bring him a gift that would have represented the fact that he was a king. They also bring him frankincense. And MacArthur says this very well could emphasize Jesus' deity, that he is God. Not only is he king, but he is the eternal king. Jesus Christ has existed eternally. 
He's ruled and reigned over us and now He has humbly entered into human history and He comes born King. He didn't just come to exist in the womb. No, His origin is from of old. From ancient of days. He is God in the flesh. And maybe the frankincense is meant to signify that. And then there's myrrh. Emphasizing Jesus' humanity. He is a man and he will die. We see this gift offered to him at his birth. But we also see this at his death. When they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. We also see it right at his burial. Nicodemus brings these spices together. And this also is mentioned. You see this king. Not only is he born. But he will suffer. He will die for your sins and mine. He will be raised on the third day. Not only is he an eternal king and a suffering king, but he is a conquering king. Amen? He has conquered the grave. And he has control over everything for the sake of his people, for their protection, and for their ultimate salvation. Do you know this king? Now look, we could point out a, a lot more from this text as it relates to Jesus being the king. But these are just some indicators that show us that he is not just some cute, cuddly baby, but that he is king. Do you know him? And how have you responded to King Jesus? Oh, how I wish everyone who ever heard the name Jesus would bow down and worship him. But we know from experience, and we know from our very text this morning, that not everyone responds favorably to Jesus. Notice three responses Notice the hostility of King Herod. We read, beginning in verse 3, when Herod the king heard he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they tell him he's to be born in Bethlehem. Drop down to verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go, search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Right? This sounds wonderful. The king wants to worship this Jesus. King Herod was the king of the land. He was appointed by the Roman government to be king. He was, historians say, clever, a capable warrior. He was a diplomat, but he was also cruel. He was merciless. He was barbaric. He was a vicious tyrant, incredibly jealous and suspicious and afraid of losing his throne to the point that he would kill his own family members. And we know that Herod is not really interested in worshiping King Jesus because we see if you drop further down in verse 16 that he will go on to kill all of those born in Bethlehem and in that region who are two years old or under. Verse 3 tells us the king was troubled. He was troubled. That word it means to be stirred up. It carries the idea of total panic. King Herod is freaking out when the wise men come. Why? Because one had been born who was called what? King of the Jews. And anyone that could possibly be a king was a threat to King Herod. So instead of finding Jesus to worship him, he instead plots to kill him. He is opposed to Jesus. He sees Jesus as a threat to his very existence, as a threat to his very throne. And here we see... Not too far along into Jesus' life, 
that there will always be opposition to this king. There will always be those who see Jesus as a threat. People today continue to see Jesus as a threat. And hear me, they see you and I as the people of God as a threat. You are not always welcomed in places you go because of your identity in Christ. Many people today are not willing to let King Jesus rule and reign freely in their life. And so what do they do? They seek to remove him and they will seek to remove you from a friendship, from a relationship, right? They want to distance themselves from King Jesus. We see the persecution of Christians all across the world. Christians who are dying as they have died throughout history because they are seen as a threat. Is that you this morning? Have you sought to remove Jesus from your life, keeping him at a safe distance from you? Why? Because you insist on ruling your own life. You don't want a king to rule over you. You want to be the king on your heart and on your throne. But if you just be honest for a moment, I think you would recognize your being king isn't working out too well. It doesn't work very well when you are in control of your life. So this morning, will you come to Jesus? Will you bow to him for the first time as king? Will you stop being hostile and will you come and worship But then there's another group we see here, and that is the scribes. They're not hostile yet. (laughs) They'll get there. But here in our text, they're just disinterested. We read of these scholars, these chief priests, these scribes who made it their living to study and search the Old Testament scriptures. They're assembled together, and they are asked the question, where is the Christ to be born? Do they know the answer? Yes, they know right where to go. They've got it memorized. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Their answer stirs up King Herod. It also says it stirs up all of Jerusalem. People are stirred up, and yet there is no indication in this text that anyone went to Bethlehem other than the wise men. There is no indication that any of these scribes follow the wise men to go check this out for themselves. Think about that, church. These are the very people who have waited their entire life for the Messiah to come. And these dudes just show up out of nowhere saying, hey, we followed this star to find the king of the Jews. Herod puts two and two together and says, where's the Christ to be born? You would think they all would run to find this baby if indeed he is the Christ. And yet the indication is none of them go. Hear me. They knew where to go, but they didn't go. You know where to go to have eternal life. If you have been coming to this church for very long at all, right? you know where to go, and his name is Jesus, I love what C.A. Spurgeon writes. He says, yes, 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 know your Bible, that is good, but practice what your Bible tells you, for that is better. Look, you know the Word of God, just as they knew where to go. They didn't go. Are you and I running to the Word of God? Are we seeking day after day after day to know this Christ more closely in 
our life. How many of you, if you're honest this morning, would say, you know what, Pastor, when it comes to Jesus, I'm just a little disinterested. I've lost that interest that I once had, that your life and your days and your mind, they're consumed by other things, your health, your job, your retirement, your relationships, your security, your appearance, the country, the direction we're headed, right? For some of you, Jesus is just a set of facts that you have learned along the way rather than someone you continually come to to bow and worship before him. You're not looking for Jesus because you are preoccupied with other things. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that though I wasn't looking for Jesus, He was looking for me. And that night, 20-something years ago, and when I was just in a church there to watch a group of people, the power team do some incredible things, that on that night, man, the Spirit of God got a hold of me. Though I grew up in church and knew the Bible verses and had been there my whole life for the first time, man, I saw King Jesus. I gave my life to Him. Have you given your life to Jesus? Are you just sort of disinterested? And then there's one other group we see quickly here. We see those who are genuinely interested, right? We read of these wise men. These wise men were genuinely interested in finding this king and worshiping him. And if you think about it, the wise men didn't know near what you and I know about the Christ. Now they knew some things, and even based upon what they knew, it says when they got there, they what? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That is a quadruple way of saying they celebrated. I mean, they rejoiced when they found the king. You and I know more than they know. We know that this baby, this Christ, lived a perfect sinless life. We know that he died on a cross, that he rose from the dead for our sin, that he is coming again. We know what they didn't know. Yet when they got there, they still rejoiced, quadruple rejoicing because they have seen the Christ. Have you seen Jesus? And when was the last time that we could say of you or of me that when we saw him, we rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? That you got excited about Christ and who he is. Have you seen Jesus? When you see him, do you rejoice exceedingly with great joy? Jesus is the Christ. And when we see him, we are to fall down and worship him. Your life should be changed because of Christ. Your purpose, our mission should be different because of Christ. Listen to what David Platt writes as we close. He says, The God who 2,000 years ago sovereignly arranged the stars in the sky, the God who sovereignly directed these magi to the Messiah, is the same God who has sovereignly arranged your life and every detail in it. He has arranged your family and your job and your school and your background and your relationships. And this God wants to use your life and mine to make the glad praise of Christ known among people everywhere. He wants to use your life to make the name of Christ known 
everywhere so that people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, and people group from the, to the ends of the earth will confess the name of Jesus, that he is the one who saves, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and that he is Christ the King who is coming again. Not to be born again as a baby, but he will come as the conquering king. And he is coming for you, and he is coming for me. Do you know him? And are you worshiping him? Would you close your eyes, bow your head? Now, we're just days away from Christmas morning. And look, sometimes we can get so close that we still miss it. I mean, I just think of the scribes. I don't know if anyone in here, anyone watching online is really hostile towards Jesus like Herod would have been, but I just wonder, do all of us have some of the, the, the scribes in us? That we've, we're so close, we know it so well, yet somehow we have still missed Jesus. Man, I would hate to think, I would hate to think that you miss Jesus. You miss out on eternity because you knew the right answer. You knew where to go. But you never personally went to Jesus. And so that's my prayer this morning. Is that if you don't know Jesus, that you would give your life to Jesus right now. That you would just confess your sinfulness. Confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Declare to be Lord and Savior of your life. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. And He'll give you a new heart and a new life and a new purpose and a new mission. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, give your life to Jesus right now. Declare him to be king. Fall down and worship him right now. For those of us who have fallen down, we have bowed our knee to him. Church, whatever 2021 may hold for us, may we be a church and a people that understands that our sovereign God wants to use us as a church and you as individuals to declare the name of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. Will you commit to doing that right now? And you want to live in a way that makes the glory of Christ known to the nations. Father God, save right now those who need to be saved. Convict those of us who need to be convicted. Forgive those of us who have sins that need to be confessed and forgiven. And oh God, change every single one of us. Transform us and help us begin to see that the very sovereign God who sovereignly worked 2,000 plus years ago in the birth of Christ is still sovereignly working today, that everything in our life has been placed together, put together, orchestrated in such a way that we might make known much the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for just allowing us to be in this place today. In your presence, it has been good. I've been encouraged. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people who are willing to serve and to pour in to each other so that we might know more of this Christ that we proclaim and worship. It's been good to be in your house. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me quickly make some announcements this morning. I want to encourage you to open up the bulletin, pay attention. One thing that's not in there, 
Uh, we have a lot of Christmas cards that are out there, very organized, rubber banded together. Uh, so please just stop by there uh, on your way out, pick up those cards if you will do that. Uh, we got some things going on for our students coming up soon. We got a meeting on January 10th. We got something on January 23rd that they're going to be a part of. And, and so just pay attention to those. One other thing, uh, out there in the foyer, there is a book. I've got 80 copies of these. And I can get more. Wayne Jenkins, through our association, has provided these free at cost. Um, it's a 21-day prayer guide and journal by Claude King, who helped write Experiencing God, well-known in Southern Baptist uh, circles. I'm going to ask you to pick up one of these and don't start until the 1st of January. And for 21 days, I want us as a church and other churches in the association, I want us to spend some time in prayer and fasting, however the Lord may lead you to fast, and there's uh, some helps in there about how you can do that. I want to encourage you to do that, and we do that as a church, going forward into 2021, crying out to God, asking Him to bring about a spiritual revival and a great awakening in our country. And I believe that if we would just turn to the Lord, that He will do some awesome, amazing things in our midst and through His church. And so I want to uh, call on you to do that. Uh, Trip, if you will uh, make your way up here. One other thing I just want to draw your attention to. Uh, most of you in here know Buddy and Florine Coggin. Uh, you guys know that their son, Daniel, had been battling cancer now for right about a year. It was right before Christmas he was diagnosed last year. Hopefully you got the message on Realm. He passed away uh, earlier in the week. And so their service, the visitation, the service uh, is today. So if you know Buddy and Florine, would you just reach out to them? Some of you have been there. You have lost a child, and you know the pain of that. Um, and they're walking through that right now, and, and they just need us as, as their church family to come alongside them and, and just to be there for them. And so if you will reach out to them, uh, I would greatly appreciate that. If you'll stand, Trip, if you'll close us with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come to you and praise you for who you are, the Heavenly Father, and the giver of everything and all blessings that, that come from you. We ask that you, you watch over and protect us as we remember the birth in this season, but also look to the, the death and then the resurrection and the salvation that that brings. We ask that you watch over and protect us and give us everything that you see fit for us. In your name, amen.